holy sweet mother of God shit. Hello, hello, hello. What, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I hope no one's eating dinner. The next best thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for dear Jesus. Something like that. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something something to keep us in business if you like what you hear tonight well a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that uh if you feel so inclined you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt again that's rfb.nyc slash nbt oh man that was exhausting wasn't it it was for me i'm sure it was for you too so that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. I hope everyone had a beautiful, wonderful, happy Columbus Day. Does anyone get off work for Columbus Day? Who the hell cares? I know that schools, I think schools still get out for Columbus Day. Am I being offensive by calling it Columbus Day? I saw somewhere this morning that in certain parts of the world, called Indigenous Peoples Day or something. I think that's right. Who gives a shit? The point is, I hope you had a beautiful Monday because I always hope you have a beautiful Monday. There is so much to talk about, I can barely breathe. A lot went on in the news, a lot went on in the world this past week. My football team, no, I don't play, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, my how times are changing. You know, two weeks ago, my Kansas City Chiefs were sitting pretty at 4-0. and They were one of three undefeated teams. They were literally neck and neck with the New England Patriots as favorites to win the Super Bowl. Well, my how, my, how a lot can change in two weeks. One week after that, they had lost a game. It had happened. And now two weeks after that, holy shit, they've lost two games. They're on a losing streak. What the fuck is happening? I don't know. My 4-0 undefeated Super Bowl-bound Chiefs have lost two games in a row. They don't look anything like they did three weeks ago. What the hell is going on? I do not know. But that's neither here nor there. I saw a movie 
this past week, and I'm going to talk about it. In fact, I think I'll do that before we even get to what's going on in the news and what's going on in the world. Okay. All right, so I'm going to do something, I guess, a little semi-unique for the next best thing. Usually, whenever I talk about films or review movies, it is strictly limited to... Scary movies! But I recently saw a film that I'd been looking forward to. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's very popular, and it's kind of... I mean, it's really not all that off from a scary movie itself. Yes, this past week, I went and saw a movie that has been written about a lot, has been talked about a lot has apparently been causing controversy, but that's really just because everyone has to be pissed off about something at all times, and so why not make it this movie for a few days? So stupid. But anyway, I went and saw a great film. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Though your heart is aching, smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by what? if you smile. If you couldn't figure it out by now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you're kind of an idiot. I went and saw the movie Joker, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. And, uh, you know, I will just say this straight up, right off the bat. It was a beautiful film, very well shot. The acting was superb. It had a lot of big stars in it, as well as a few small stars, I guess you could say. You know, I'm featuring this film for a number of reasons. First of all, I just saw it, and I feel like sharing. So... That's really all the reason I need. Number two, it's almost Halloween, and I can guarantee you that once again, because this movie has just come out, the Joker will be probably the most popular Halloween costume you will see on the streets this year. So if you are thinking about being it, please don't, because no matter how good of a job you do at putting together a costume, it will be so painfully unoriginal that everyone will just want to kick you in the balls. Now... I'm just here to help folks, and I don't want you to get kicked in the balls. Remember 2008, 2009 when uh, The Dark Knight came out and everybody went as the Joker that year? And I have to say, I saw, let's say, who gives a shit? I saw a lot of Joker costumes, and I would say 90% of them were terrible. That does leave 10%, but you probably wouldn't fall in that 10%. Let's move on. Okay, so I don't know if we've ever actually had this discussion on the show before, but when it comes to superheroes... Batman is, has, and always will be my number one favorite, obviously. And I assume it's yours too because you're a smart person and I love you. So naturally, if Batman's my favorite hero, Joker, conversely, is my all-time favorite villain. I mean, here's the thing. So in the days leading up to this movie's release, I'm not going to lie, I did get very excited and eager to see it. I mean. The trailers looked great. Joaquin Phoenix is an excellent actor, albeit kind of a strange dude in general. Remember when he went on David Letterman and was a psychopath? Not even the point. But um, it was getting a lot of good reviews. He's a great actor. The trailers did look good. So yeah, I was very excited to see it. And in the end, I can tell you with all confidence, it is a good movie. It's beautifully shot, very well made, very well acted. Um, I would uh, just say, 
Okay, so as the credits started to roll, though, I was suddenly hit with the same thought slash question that I had that I was struck with right when I heard they were making a Joker movie. Why? I mean, really, why do we need a whole movie about the Joker, a villain, a guy who only exists to be a counter to Batman? We didn't need to know anything else about the Joker than we already knew. I mean, look, that was my first thought, that was my first question, and having now seen the film, I can tell you, we didn't. We didn't need to know anymore. Not only that, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't. I'll explain. I'll get to specific performances and things I liked or didn't like in just a second, but really my overall feeling was that this movie, as well-made and technically good as it is, it really did do a disservice to the greatest supervillain ever. Look, I don't know, and I will say this as a disclaimer, I don't know nearly as much about the DC universe or all the characters that live there as some people, delightful freaks do. I don't regularly attend Comic-Con. I don't do a whole lot of cosplay or any weird stuff like that. But when it comes to the Joker character, what I can personally tell you is that what made him so uniquely chilling among supervillains was the fact that we didn't know anything about him. He had no real definitive origin story. Now, okay, once again, disclaimer, I know that some people who read every comic book and know everything about the Joker, I mean, the guy was invented, I believe the first time he ever showed up was in 1940, so I'm sure there have been a few glimpses into how he came to be. But like I said, I'm not a comic book person, so I'm really only talking about the, the three or four movies in which he's featured. Think about it. In Tim Burton's movie, we know Jack Nicholson's Joker. He fell into a big vat of toxic waste or whatever it was that apparently turned his skin bright white, his hair bright green, and it turned him into the prototypical Joker character. Woo. Woo. <laughs> oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there'll be a hot time in the old town tonight. <laughs> Good times. Uh, what do I mean when I say prototypical Joker? Well, he, for one thing, it was he was just a straight-up clown, top to bottom. The magical toxic waste, which apparently wasn't toxic because it didn't kill him, it turned his skin very bright white clown makeup white. His hair and fingernails turned bright green, and somehow it stretched his cheek muscles outwards and upwards, giving him that permanent, devious, devilish-looking smile that was there the whole movie. And what's with that stupid grin? Life's been good to me. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Isn't it funny and great how every single role Jack Nicholson plays is half Jack Nicholson and half whoever he's supposed to be playing. Yeah. Okay, so his clothes, Jack Nicholson's Joker clothes, they were the famous neons, the purples, the greens, everything we've all come to know. And they were pristine. They were all very bright. They were all in perfect, clean condition. Jump ahead to 2008 and Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. I mean, there was nothing clean or pristine about that Joker. And I can tell you that much right now. Listen, Heath Ledger looked like a Joker who had been murdered 
buried, and then came crawling out of the grave 10 or 15 years later. Very grungy, very, very gritty and nasty. And as far as a backstory goes, I mean, not only didn't we know where Heath Ledger's Joker came from or what made him so evil and just batshit crazy, but anytime his character did talk about himself, we knew he was lying. I mean, take for instance when he talks about how he got those scars. You want to know how I got these scars? My father was a fiend. And one night, mommy gets the kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, he turns to me and he says, Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? Sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Kaboom! Now that was one of, I, I think, at least two, maybe three, totally different stories he told about how he got those scars. Many people do consider that performance by Heath Ledger as the all-time best portrayal of the Joker character. Now, how much of that has to do with the tragedy associated with his life and that film? I mean, he died before that movie ever hit the theaters, and he was awarded a posthumous Academy Award. And, you know, if that's associated with how some people think of its greatness, so be it. But for me, what made that performance so great, and what made that, in my opinion, the, the ultimate Joker character, was the sheer... Chaos. I mean, he says in the movie, I'm an agent of chaos. And good Lord, was he? He killed just for the joy of killing, the fun of it. He played by no rules whatsoever. I mean, and let's be real here whether it's in war or the mafia, republicanism, there's always usually some unwritten, maybe unwritten, some kind of rules and understandings of what's off limits. You know, maybe not rules as so much as what you can do, but at least kind of an idea of what you shouldn't. Well, not with this Joker. He had no loyalties, no relationships, and there was really no rhyme or reason to any of his complete madness. And boy, he was batshit crazy. <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, 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 you, you complete me. Yes, that's an important point. Now, this isn't about the 2008 movie, and we'll move on. But before we do, I just have to say, I will always remember when I left the theater back in 2008, and I truly thought then, and I think now, holy shit, that might have been the best movie I'd ever seen. And I know I hate myself for saying that about a superhero movie. But the truth is, from the writing the acting performances, the score, and even the special effects. This movie was unbelievable. But alas, we're not here to talk about the 2008 mega hit. Let's move on. If not knowing much about the Joker made him all the more chilling and scary, then Joaquin Phoenix was about as scary as a fruit fly. I mean, really. Now, obviously, I'm kind of kidding, but the point is, in this new movie, we learn way too much about this character. We knew everything you could ever know about anybody. And obviously, I guess that should have been 
To be expected, it was an entire movie dedicated to just him. But that's another problem. There was no Batman to go to war with. The only reason this character exists is to fight Batman. Heath Ledger's Joker, as you just heard him, he comes right out and says, No, you, you complete me. You're damn right. I digress. The Joker movie takes place in a Gotham City that is understood to be New York City circa 1981-ish. In other words, it's more dangerous and somehow dirtier and even more disgusting than today. The sad sack known as Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck. He's already, he's already at a disadvantage. He works as a clown and suffers from a neurological condition that makes him laugh uncontrollably, even and perhaps especially when he doesn't want to be laughing at all. What's so funny? Just... Freak! <laughs> I have to hand it to Joaquin Phoenix. He really committed to that laugh. I mean, we heard it all throughout the film. He and rarely did it ever convey actual joy, happiness, stuff that you would associate with laughter. Most of the time, it looked and felt unnatural, against his will, and sometimes even physically painful, which apparently, I saw him give an interview, apparently he did a bunch of research, and it really can be painful for those who suffer from whatever that condition is called. Anyway, Arthur lives with his ailing mother, Penny, in this spectacularly shitty apartment building where the elevator doesn't work, and he meets regularly with his social worker, who even she doesn't like him, and he takes a shitload of medication. So yeah, he's like a lot of people you probably know. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And who the hell can blame him? Throughout most of the film, this future Joker lives a life of just complete pain and humiliation. He gets beaten up several times, sometimes by asshole kids, other times by douchebag Wall Street bros. And that uncontrollable laughter makes him a figure of scorn and disgust. The other guys at his own job, other clowns, make fun of him. And like I said, even his social worker can barely conceal her distaste for him, which doesn't matter much anyway, because as you heard, that department is being eliminated by the struggling city. He tries to be a stand-up comic, is he couldn't be less funny. He bombs, and he finds himself, because of his one attempt at stand-up, he finds himself the subject of nationwide ridicule. I mean, hello? How can you not feel bad for this guy? And that's a problem. You should not feel bad for the Joker, ever. You shouldn't know why he's upset. Why, why upset? He doesn't get upset. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> now, speaking of nationwide ridicule. Story of my life. No, I'm getting Okay, at this point, you may find yourself wondering, well, like I just said, who can blame the guy for being so angry, going off the rails? And like I said, 
Yeah, you did. You felt sorry for him, and that's bad. You'd never feel sympathy for the Joker. Somehow, though, and this is a almost, it's pretty remarkable. The film does manage to keep his character just dark and unlikable enough to never really feel sad or feel sorry for him. But I think that had more to do with the fact that everyone else in Gotham, including and perhaps especially the parents of a young Bruce Wayne, were just as awful as he was in maybe different ways. But believe me, it was obvious they were awful. Consider this, for instance, and just a heads up, spoiler alert. The first time Arthur ever hurts anybody or even tries to fight back, it's against those three Wall Street bros who are literally beating the shit out of him on a subway late at night. And he uses a gun that was given to him by a co-worker. He didn't seek the gun out. He wasn't looking to harm anybody. In fact, when his co-worker gave him the gun, he specifically said, you know I'm not supposed to have this. History of mental illness, I'm guessing maybe rendered him unqualified to carry a weapon, which I have to point out, even shitty-ass Gotham City has some gun restrictions. The point is, there's never a moment when Arthur Fleck snaps and becomes the Joker that we all know, fear, and love. It just, he becomes a killer when forced to act in self-defense. Now, how realistic does that sound? I mean, think about the Joker we see in Dark Knight. Does he really seem like a former meek, Mama's boy who, who never wanted to hurt anybody. No! No, and thank God for that. Did you hear why I said I liked that version of the Joker? No! All right, a few quick things before we wrap this up. It's already gone on too long. Robert De Niro's in this movie. He plays a late-night talk show host named Murray Franklin. They honestly should have named his character something like Donnie Marson because he was literally just doing a Johnny Carson impression and not a great one. Uh, the set of his NCB talk show, whose logo I imagine is a, a peafowl, literally was the Johnny Carson Tonight Show set. It wasn't any different. It wasn't a, a version. It was that Tonight Show set. Now, if you've ever seen Robert De Niro as a guest on some of those shows, you know he doesn't enjoy them. I mean, he's never very emotive or talkative or energetic or happy to be there. So to see him then try and be this bubbly, happy jokester who doesn't just enjoy, but literally hosts one of those shows was funny. I mean, he, he's a great actor. We all know this, but it, it wasn't incredibly believable as Donnie Marson or whatever I said. Uh, speaking of De Niro, this entire Joker film looked and felt way more like an homage to the work of Martin Scorsese than it did to anything Batman or comic book related. I mean, the casting of De Niro alone was an obvious throwback to the 1983 film, The King of Comedy. If you haven't seen it, De Niro plays an aspiring but crappy stand-up comic named Rupert Pupkin. He idolizes a late-night TV host, scheming and dreaming of being put on his show, and eventually he kidnaps him in order to make that happen. Now, the Joker, he just flips that script, with De Niro playing the comedian whom Arthur, an aspiring stand-up, idolizes. Arthur fantasizes about being on Franklin's show in his living room. He even plays a little make-believe. The key difference, though, is that in King of Comedy, it was about how TV turns its most devoted viewers into delusional seekers of the spotlight. And in the end, De Niro's audacity and boldness actually end up working out for him, which is kind of annoying. The Joker, though, he has much, there are much darker designs for both Arthur Fleck and Murray Franklin. I mean, Arthur does get to be a guest on Franklin's show, 
but not for anything good. And boy, do things go sour. Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? So basically what I'm trying to say is I love this movie. <laughs> Just kidding. This is way too long of a movie review. It was a good film. I did like how it was shot. It was beautiful. But I just don't think it was necessary. And I think it did more harm than good to our beloved Joker character. Okay, let's get on to really what's going on in the news and the world. You're listening to the next best thing. Here's what's making news tonight. A personal moment now. Gathering and reporting the news has been my life's work. 33 years, the past 23 right here, since the day we launched Fox News Channel in 1996. The opportunities afforded this guy from small town Mississippi have been many. Together with my colleagues, we've written a first draft of history and endeavored to deliver it to you while speaking truth to power without fear or favor in context and with perspective. I am eternally grateful for the opportunity. I've worked with the most talented, dedicated and focused professionals I've ever known. They sacrifice endlessly and tirelessly to get the news exactly right. And I am so proud of them. I'll miss them and our time together greatly and deeply. So recently, I asked the company to allow me to leave Fox News. After requesting that I stay, they obliged. Under our agreement, I won't be reporting elsewhere, at least in the near future. But I will be able to see more of Gio and Lucia and our friends and family. Then we'll see what comes along. This is my last newscast here. Thank you for watching today and over the decades. It's been an honor and my pleasure. Even in our currently polarized nation, it's my hope that the facts will win the day, that the truth will always matter, that journalism and journalists will thrive. I'm Shepard Smith, Fox News, New York. And just like that, Shepard Smith said goodbye to Fox News. No planning, no pre-announcement. He just had his normal show, his daily show, and that's how he ended it. The chief Fox News anchor, who was despised by Donald Trump for, you know, actually reporting the news, said on his program last Friday that after more than two decades at the network, he was stepping down and leaving the company. Now, just last week, one week ago, I sat here and talked about what I consider the real danger and disservice of Fox News. How when people compare it to CNN and MSNBC saying, oh, they're all equally partisan and biased, that is just wrong, stupid and wrong. And while making that point, I specifically made sure to mention the fact that people like Shepard Smith, kind of like Chris Wallace, Brett Baer, but really Shepard Smith in particular, how they, how he was one of the few 
actual respected journalists, good, legitimate journalists at Fox News. Now, considering how outrageous and toxic the primetime, the primetime lineup of Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Tucker Carlson is over there, the legitimate journalists were more vital than ever. I mean, it was, after all, the one actual news, I mean, the one actual source of news that those Fox viewers ever really got. And now they will get even less. Think about this for a second. I mean, for someone like this, who was a fixture at Fox News, who had been with the network for as long as the network has existed, to just randomly up and leave on a Friday afternoon in the middle of their contract cycle, that's not normal. I mean, that to me suggests a severe uh, problem, a, a lack of communication, a disagreement between Shepard Smith and Fox News management. Now, both sides have spoken nicely and favorably of one another since the announcement, but people aren't stupid. What? I mean, let me take that back. Not all people are stupid. According to reports, there have been growing tensions over at Fox News between the actual journalists the people in the news division, and their opinion hosts and commentators. I mean, in this Trump era, and particularly in the last few weeks, the people working for the news division over there have repeatedly seen their work undermined by their blowhard, opinionated colleagues. And Shepard Smith just apparently couldn't take it anymore. I mean, I, I'd never really watch Fox News, but I can list at least three instances where he was the subject of scorn and ridicule from his truly repulsive, brainless colleagues. And I'm not painting all of Fox News with that brush. I'm talking about the primetime lineup, the names I said earlier, Sean Hannity, Jackass, Tucker Carlson, Son of a Bitch, Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram was suspended recently for making fun of a kid who didn't get into a college after he survived the Parkland shooting. She's a bitch. Her own brother has gone on record to say that she has literally gone off the deep end. He cannot understand how someone he knew to have a heart has suddenly lost it completely, her heart and any, any of her mind that was left. I mean, Tucker Carlson, who is just a blindly pro-Trump asshole, I remember him mocking Shepard Smith a few weeks ago when he stood up for Judge Andrew Napolitano. Not exactly a, a, rage, a bleeding heart liberal, that guy. But the judge was called a fool by a guest on Carlson's show for saying that Trump had committed a crime. I mean, he's committed several. But he was called a fool. So Shepard Smith stuck up for him, and he said that Tucker Carlson's attack was truly repugnant. The network's lack of any vocal defense for Smith ever, following that incident or any of the others, I can understand why that would bother him. And the whole episode factored into his decision to leave, according to a person familiar with the matter. That's what they told CNN. Now, the announcement came truly as a shock to seemingly everyone, even most of the people who worked at Fox News. I mean, listen to Neil Cavuto. He hosts a show immediately after Sheps. This is how he opened his program last Friday, right after Sheps signed off for the very last time. I'm Shepard Smith, Fox News, New York. Well, I'm Neil Cavuto, and uh, like you, I'm a little stunned and a little heartbroken. Uh, 
I don't know what to say. Um, Shepard Smith, as I said just a few days ago on this very network, uh, a decent human being, a heart as big as Texas. I didn't say Texas at the time, maybe just all of Manhattan. Um, wow, I, I don't know. Uh, a better newsman you probably cannot find. Uh, again, a bigger, more emotionally connected to humankind you cannot find. So Shepard, I don't know what the heck you're planning to do or where you go, but I just know you'll be great at doing it and you, you deserve the best that life has to offer. Genuine surprise and genuine sadness there. I mean, you can hear it. And apparently he wasn't alone. According to CNN, a senior Fox News employee said, quote, it feels like death in the news division, end quote. They said that staffers over there were completely shocked and that some were actually crying, quote, the notion, the pervasive notion was, at least we had him. What does that tell you? I mean, even people at Fox News hate Fox News. Anywho, a third Fox employee who says, that staffers were openly weeping after the announcement, noted that some staffers, quote, were here and have stayed here solely for Shepard Smith. Don't be surprised if there's a mass exodus, end quote. That's scary. I mean, truly, without the few journalists they do have, it will be nothing but a propaganda channel. Straight up, nothing else. It'll be like Alex Jones and whatever the hell he, what was that called? freaks are us. I don't know, but it ended up getting shut down on YouTube because he was literally spouting dangerous nonsense. Now, speaking of dangerous nonsense, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I would certainly be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that the day before Shep Smith made this sudden surprise announcement, William Barr, the fat little toad who is supposed to be the attorney general of this country, was seen meeting with Rupert Murdoch at a Trump-owned property. Now, let's think about that. The attorney general met with the man who owns Fox News at a Trump property, and the next day, an anchor who Trump hates leaves the network. Coincidence? I guess it could be, but come on now. We're living in very strange, scary times. Moving right along. Okay. Speaking of which, Ellen DeGeneres and who she can be friends with. Let's talk about that for just a second. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's ridiculous. But as you've probably heard, Ellen DeGeneres recently felt the need to defend her friendship with former President George W. Bush. Apparently, Ellen joined the Bushes in a suite recently to watch the Dallas Cowboys play the Green Bay Packers. And people were just beside themselves because there's nothing else going on. I mean, the Twitter mob strikes again. So, a day or two later, on her talk show, Ellen, for some reason, I wish she hadn't, but for some reason she felt the need to address it and to explain herself. And so she did. She explained that she and her wife had actually been invited to the game by Charlotte Jones, the daughter of Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, and that they didn't know the Bushes were going to be there. Quote, During the game, they showed a shot of me and George laughing together, and so people were upset, she said. Quote, they thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? Joking that people didn't even notice she was holding the brand new iPhone 11 in, her, in that shot. Now, obviously, she was trying to make light of the situation, calm people down and whatnot. And then she went on to make what I think is a perfectly valid, good point. Here's the thing. 
I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay that we're all different. For instance, I wish people wouldn't wear fur. I don't like it, but but I'm friends with people who wear fur. And I, I'm friends with people who are furry, as a matter of fact. I have <laughs> friends who should tweeze more. And I, I have... But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Not a terrible message, I don't think. Well, you'll never believe what happened. Or maybe you will, because I guess at this point, nothing is ever good enough for anybody. People who were angry about seeing Ellen and George W. Bush laughing together they tuned in, listened to her response, took in her message, and got even angrier. <laughs> Forgive me, but to these people, I say, Shut the fuck up! Let's be clear here. It wasn't everybody. There were some people out there who support Ellen. Great. And they mentioned that, yeah, saying a little unity and understanding couldn't hurt, given how miserable everyone is with our current situation. Yeah, I think that's fair. Others, though, led by people like Mark Ruffalo and Susan Sarandon, scoffed at the idea of spreading kindness. Quote, It's not about having friends with differing views. This is a man accused of being a war criminal, said Sarandon with Ruffalo, adding, quote, Sorry, but until George W. Bush is brought to justice for the crimes of the Iraq war, including American-led torture and the deep scars, emotional and otherwise, inflicted on our military that served his folly, we can't even begin to talk about kindness. Okay. When people say shit like this, it gives liberals a bad name. Now, I say that as a self-proclaimed progressive, and I resent these people. I will resent these comments, at least. First and foremost, let's be very clear, I'm not in the business of telling people who they can and can't be friends with, and anyone who thinks they have the right to do that is not someone I'd ever want to be around or associated with. Horse's ass! But more importantly, are you, now, I said earlier that not everyone was stupid. Maybe more people are than I realized. Can we wake the hell up? I do not think that George W. Bush was a good president. Had I been old enough to vote, I would have voted for Gore and Kerry, obviously. I disagree with so much of what went down during his administration, Bush's, that it'd take too long to name them. But do I really think that he sat in the White House and tried to get as many American soldiers killed as possible? Do I really think that? No! No, I don't. And even if I did, he's not in office anymore. So why waste time worrying about it and getting mad about it? Trump is the here and now. He's sitting in the White House today as president. And he is an out-of-control, lawless psycho who presents a clear and present danger really to the whole world. The hell are people doing spending time thinking about who some celebrity went to a football game with? Enough! For the love of God, get your head out of your ass and focus on what matters. And be kind, you assholes. Holy sweet mother of God shit. At this point, there is something to be said about kindness. Now, I joke that you, people like Mark Ruffalo are assholes. Maybe it's not a joke, but regardless. It would be, as I sit here right now, it would be almost impossible for me to name even one thing I like about Donald Trump. One thing I think is admirable. Nope, couldn't probably do it. But I do, and I disagree with everything. I mean, as much as I, virtually everything he's done since taking office. But what has always bothered me the most about him 
long way before he ever ran for president. It has nothing to do with politics. And what bothers me the most is simply his meanness, his nastiness. Donald Trump, I mean, we talked a lot about the Joker. Donald Trump has surpassed even the Joker in his capacity for spewing malice, hostility, and rage. His willingness to lie, cheat, steal without ever batting an eye is un- unbelievable to me. I mean, he seem, it really does seem like he is loyal to no one, cares about nothing, and couldn't possibly be less concerned with anything other than his own self-preservation and really adulation. He is just a bad person. I do believe that he is, bad. he is a bad person. Now, do I think he's murdered anyone? Don't know. But I certainly, I don't think I'd put it past him. He, he has no empathy. He has no sense of real right and wrong. I mean, he, he was unfazed by becoming president. He didn't expect to win, but when it happened, yeah, he was a little surprised, but it never seemed to occur to him that, oh, I should probably learn a few things now. I should probably stop tweeting petty bitch fights with the whole world. Well, Rosie O'Donnell's disgusting. I mean, both inside and out. You take a look at her, she's a slob. She talks like a, like a truck driver. He is a bad person, an almost unimaginably bad person. And I, as much as I love seeing people get involved in politics and show some enthusiasm and passion for whoever they feel should be the Democratic nominee, please support, you know, show your support for whoever you support. Be loud, be proud of them, campaign your ass off for them. But don't be like Donald Trump. The senator is nothing. He couldn't carry his blank strap. But that guy couldn't carry his blank strap. He should resign from office in disgrace. And frankly, they should look at him for treason. Don't spend your time bashing or degrading someone who maybe isn't at the top of your list. Or getting angry at any of your friends who, God forbid, might actually like someone along the lines of Amy Klobuchar. Or, oh, I don't know. Joe Biden. Yeah, I said it. Joe Biden. Like I said, throw your support behind whoever you want. Bernie, whatever, you know, as far left as you've ever seen, or I don't know. I don't even know who's really a right winger. There's no right winger. Someone like Joe Biden, who's more centrist, I guess, if you want to say that. Don't get mean, though. Don't get personal. And if you can help it, don't get negative, because God knows there's more than enough of that going around these days. And In the end, there's only going to be one nominee, and it might not be whoever you love. So you're going to have to get over it. And for the love of God, if you learned anything from 2016, it should be, even if you don't love the shit out of the nominee, pretend you do. Make it look like you do. Sell that you do and sell them to everyone you can find. Moving right along. So the Fort Worth shooting. I mean, this is unbelievable. A black woman was shot and killed in her own home by a police officer this weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. And the community wants answers, naturally. Uh, A Tatiana Coquiche, I think, Jefferson, she was 28 years old. She was killed Saturday morning after a neighbor called a non-emergency number. So it would be like if someone in our city called 311, just to say that their neighbor had left the front door opened. I don't even know why they would have called for that. What the hell? But they called a non-emergency number to say that her front door was open. So officers came by. They were searching near the perimeter of Jefferson's home when they saw a person standing inside near a window 
and one of them opened fire, killing her. What the fuck is going on here? I mean, how could that even, it's incomprehensible. Why were guns even drawn? (laughs) This was a non-emergency number called about a non-emergency, really something that didn't need to be reported at all. How could someone possibly end up dead? This uh, incident ignited a new flare of pain and outrage regarding the ongoing problem of police killing people, a lot of black people who are doing, it's not like, I used to be of a, you know, it used to be, I used to be a firm believer that really nobody needed guns except for law enforcement. Fuck that. Nobody should have guns, especially not law enforcement, apparently. I mean, the Fort Worth Police Department released obviously edited body cam footage a few hours after the incident, and the officer who shot this young woman was interviewed by the Fort Worth Police Department's major case unit today, and he resigned shortly thereafter. Now, neighbors and activists didn't think it was right for the unit to be investigating the actions of their own officers. Makes sense. Hopefully they're pleased, though, tonight, because it was just announced not too long before the show went to air that the officer who shot this woman has been charged with murder and is in police custody. I mean, how could he not be? How the hell could he not be? I, incomprehensible. But then again, people do get off. I mean, stories like this are so insane and, in my opinion, should always be a complete anomaly, a mistake, a horrible accident, a one-off, something that never happens. Lately, though, that's hardly the case. Just earlier this month, There was all that news about a Dallas police officer named Amber Geiger, who shot and killed her unarmed black neighbor back in 2018. Now listen to this. I mean, it almost seems impossible, but this story is even crazier than the last one. The victim here was a 26-year-old black man. He was sitting on his couch in his apartment eating ice cream when Geiger entered, opened fire, and killed him. Holy crap. Jesus. Apparently, her excuse was she thought it was her apartment and that he was an intruder. She looked around, didn't see any of her furniture, and thought he was an intruder who, instead of stealing anything or raping anybody, just decided to plop down and watch some television. That doesn't make sense. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, really? See, this is the problem. We're living in a world where Trump, President Trump, can say what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. Apparently everyone thinks that. Now, this woman was rightfully convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Now, wait. How you can literally break into someone's apartment, murder them in cold blood, and only get sentenced to 10 years, I don't understand. I mean, what the... But for the love of God, at least she wasn't let off scot-free, I guess. How sad is it that that is now considered a win? God help us. You're listening to the next best thing. To the next best thing. This is the next best thing. On Radio Free Brooklyn. 